all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, do you yearn to have that highly organized life is an extremely organized household and workplace a good thing, or might there be some negatives? Another question, can disorganization and procrastination be a sign of something bigger, like ADHD or anxiety? So today is National Organization Day, uh, April 26th, and we'll talk about organization, procrastination, what's healthy, and what may be a problem. So good morning, everybody. Good morning, Michelle. We are in the process. Good yeah. morning. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm remote today, but we are going to talk about this day that's dedicated to cleaning up, decluttering homes and offices, and 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 I thought as as I went through this, I looked at you know what was the inception of National Organization Day, and it. It looks like it was something created probably by marketers who were looking at um, ways to market their goods, like decorating or closet organization or the like. Uh, I don't know, Michelle, if you saw anything different, but, but I think it's a good time, a good day, though, to talk about organization and why some can be really good. Um, maybe sometimes, though, it has some pitfalls, and we can talk about both of those. Well, um, you know, like- I, I am on the other side of the spectrum. I feel that organization is uh, very important. It's needed in my life, and I see where you're going with this. Sometimes being too organized or too methodical, you know, can be bad, meaning if anything gets out of control or not on my long list to do or doesn't work out the way I plan, then I feel a certain way. So I can see how being too organized may not be that good, but I have to have that in my life um, or I don't like this organization. And I know there might be something mental with that. <laughs> Maybe you could talk about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will because that's what this show is about. We talk about a lot about family matters, but also mental and behavioral health. That's my specialty. And so I think we do need to talk about when is it good? When can it be over the top? When can disorganization or a messy lifestyle be 
something that's very destructive. So both ends of the spectrum really can have their pitfalls. Um, and as we talk about this, I'd love to talk to people who have struggled with um, get, getting organized or maybe have struggled with being too rigid or being in a space or an area or with someone who is too rigid about how organization must happen. Because, because really, Michelle, both sides, um, all the way, just like almost anything, at the far end of either spectrum, um, typically is not good. So listeners, give us a call. Join the conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org about, you know, what have you done to get organized or what are you struggling with right now? And, and another question that's sort of linked to organization or disorganization is procrastination. You know, just delaying things, especially something that seems overwhelming or overburdensome. And so you procrastinate um, and don't get things done in an organized fashion. And so that can impair life too. So I want to talk about all of that as we move along. But before we get to that, I want to tell the listeners, um, I did promise to post Dr. B's parenting rules, um, and that will be posted hopefully later today. I decided to reorganize them a little bit, so they'll be on the podcast. So please take a look at that. Michelle, um, right, you're going to have that posted later today. I think I just sent that to you this morning. Yes, I will add it to the podcast from last week, so it will be on our show that we talked about autism. Oh, parenting, right. excuse me. No, parenting last year, last week. Our parenting yeah, show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our mm-hmm. parenting show and and sort of about how you were parented and the rules and regs. So go take a look at that, those of you who listened, or if you didn't, the podcast is there, and I'd love for you to listen to it. Um, We had a lot of good callers last week. But let's get on to to what what we want to talk about today, and that is let's start maybe with the organization. I think organization has a lot of amazing physical and psychological benefits. Many people feel a sense of happiness. They feel like when they're organized, they... Um, tend not to forget things they need to do. They are able to accomplish goals and objectives in an orderly fashion. Some people find that a clean room is soothing, is soothing right? And it can feel um, um, like you have better control. And uh, messiness, you know, has long been viewed as a character flaw. And I think many of us parents have struggled with perhaps messy kids, especially teenagers. I think that's sort of a a time when many times the messiness gets at its height. Um, But 
But as we move along, most people find that having too much clutter can make it difficult to organize and think. So if the other thing I wanted to talk about is when is disorganization and, and messiness really a terrible sign? When does it tell you that something is really wrong? Um, because there are some mental health implications of a very messy room, especially if it's a new phenomena. For example, if you have a loved one, um, maybe even a parent who was always very neat and, and had a tidy home, if that's something new, if it's a new phenomena, then it may mean that there's something else going on with them. Um, the flip side goes, as we were talking about, the fact that if you have an individual who suddenly has to have perfection or they can't um, deal with life in general and one thing um, out of place or one thing that, that has been moved sends them flying in a state of upset and frenzy. That's another negative sign. <laughs> Are you um, in my house with me? No. <laughs> well, you know, Dr. Butchers, I don't fly into a frenzy. I wouldn't say. My daughter may beg to differ. But I don't. I've learned to just do. Now, what she's noticed, I think I told you about this. I will go in her room, and which is pretty clean for a 18-year-old senior. But her... Perfumes or colognes on her dresser, or if her watches aren't lined up correctly, or if her necklace or anything is out of place, I'm talking with her, and I'm actually not knowing that I'm doing it. I'm rearranging her dresser every time mm. I go in there. And she says, look, she stops me now, which I like. She's like, look what, look what you're doing. And I'm like, what? Yeah. She said, why are you doing that? I'm like, because it's supposed to be right here. She says, Why? Why does it have to be there for you? This is my room. I don't want it there. I'm like, but it looks better if it's organized or if it's neat or if it's in the place. She said, that's where you think it should be. So, again, I love to talk to you about this. Is that an issue of control with me or is it something deeper? I'm not trying to control her. I just feel it looks it should be this way. <laughs> uh, so. I think it is a sign um, somewhat um, of control and, and trying to to have her fit into your box of mm. what expectations are. So you do have to be careful. You do have a child who is now 18 years old and someone who, if she is relatively neat and she can find her items, then why in the world are you straightening those items up? Listeners, I would love to hear what you think about that because I will say that that is, um, and I love my producer, Michelle, <laughs> but I have to say, that does sound like a bit of control that is um, over the top, especially for a teen who's getting ready to go off to college, do her own thing, and you, you really, you know, we talked about parenting and loosening the reins and allowing individuals to start taking responsibility for their own space, their own place, 
their own accomplishments and parents need to back off and certainly by 18 that needs to happen so well you know what I can say this in my defense I do it to myself too if I I won't leave the house without my bedmate because I don't like the way it looks or makes me feel when I come home and the room is not neat I don't like my closet uh, yeah. With things not in place, my bathroom, everything has to be in a place. And again, being in men, in, some, in the mental health field, I wonder uh, deeper than that, is that an issue I have that everything has to have a place? Now, people that know me and come to my home actually marvel and say, well, your home is always clean. It's never anything out of place. And I inside laugh and they say they don't understand that it has to be like that for me to feel okay. Is that a problem? Okay, let's stop there for a minute because I want to give our listeners an opportunity to give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Michelle, I'm going to say before we get to our break that um, that for some people that kind of control of your space helps diminish anxiety. So some people need to have extreme control over their space and have everything perfect so that they feel like they have better control of their life. That typically is a sign of of an individual who has some level of anxiety. I'll I'll just throw that out there. Well, I will Um, agree. I will concur. I will agree. Okay. So, I mean, is that's more of a positive coping skill. I'm handling my anxiety in that way, question mark, I guess. Yes. Yes, it is. It is to a certain degree, as long as you don't impart that control in others and start um, making it something that you can't move beyond so that, for example, you're not able to sleep because you still have to get one more thing in place. So you diminish the number of hours of sleep that you get to the point of an unhealthy state or that um, you are interfering with a relationship with an individual who perhaps doesn't need to have that level of control. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands as we are talking about organization, um, obsessive organization, and some clutter, but a lot, and a lot of clutter, there, there's certainly a gradation. The other thing is you mentioned the word cleanliness, and there is a difference in having some amount of clutter or some amount of disorganization and being unclean. So if we can just say, you know, I think everybody or many of our listeners have seen shows about hoarders. Hoarders typically have so much clutter and so much stuff gathered in that there's no way to keep things clean. Um, So you have old boxes and old newspapers and old cans and and that kind of thing so that there's no way to clean around all the mess. So two different things, right? Okay, we're going to go to our first break. Give us a call. Join this conversation about organization, procrastination, clutter, what's healthy and what's not. 
1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7444. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. And today we're talking about organization, a national organization day. How organized is good? How much over-organization or excessive organization is too much. Um, We've got a couple of callers who are joining the conversation, so I want to go ahead and jump in and get Robert from Gulfport first. Hi, Robert. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Um, I just have a little story to share with you that's on topic. Um, When I lived in San Diego, there was a buddy of mine uh, well, he was well, very popular in the neighborhood. Uh, his name was Johnny, and Johnny was a correction officer at Donovan Strait Prison, and he was very, let's say, structured. There are other terms for it, but he was very structured and probably came in good, uh, handy for somebody who's a um, you know, correction officer, uh, but uh, he was very detailed in everything that he did. So there was one time me and my ex-wife, uh, when he went to the bathroom, what we did on his coffee table, he had a few little artifacts, maybe a, a statue, an ashtray, things like that. And they were all lined up with the grains of wood on the coffee table. And so what we did is we just put one of those little statues of knickknacks ajar. When he came back from the bathroom and he sat down in his lazy boy, we were watching TV. He just couldn't get comfortable. He kept squirming in his chair, squirming in his chair, and then finally he noticed it and had to correct it. But it was it was just too funny that he couldn't get comfortable. He didn't know exactly what it was, but he knew something in his world was out of out of uh, organization. And so I just thought you might enjoy that story, <laughs> Robert. That is, um, I'm sure, something that many people do. Um, to those who have that level of need for things to be perfect in their space, um, that that truly is obsessive compulsive disorder. And and so, um, not surprising that that individual was a correctional officer where there needed to be rigid rules and that kind of thing. And his probably his organization organizational skills and obsessive nature serves him fairly well. But if you think about it, you mentioned that he was squirming and couldn't get uncomfortable. That's so, correct, yes. right, right. 
And that's one of those times when that obsessive compulsive behavior can sometimes turn into a real disorder. If you, if uh, things being just a little bit out of place cannot, you cannot let go of that because that'll interfere with your ability to move on to your next task, right? Um, Or to be able to think about other things that you should be concentrating on. And um, so this might be a good time for me, Robert, to point out that um, obsessive compulsive disorder or behaviors sometimes can really mimic ADHD because as he was squirming in his chair and probably not paying attention to what other people were saying or doing, he was um, appearing inattentive when at the, you knew what was going on, you knew that he was upset about his items not being lined up. So to kind of think about how, how that kind of thing can interfere and even mimic other mental health disorders. So that that was a teeny bit mean, but a little bit <laughs> funny. <laughs> well, well, I'll blame it on the Miller Lite. Okay, there we go. You guys have a great afternoon. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Thanks for starting us off. Okay, we're going to stay on the phones. We have David from Memphis. Um, next up in line. Hi, David. Hey, how are you today? Beautiful day. And I've got two uh, experiences. One, a a number of years ago, a co-worker, single gentleman, much older than I, uh, very technical field. And uh, he's the kind of person you could borrow power tools from him. And that man kept a garage cleaner than anybody I know. The, The Power tools would be in the original packaging. He'd put them back the same way. And he retired. uh, Now, this is, I'm talking back 20 years ago, but he retired. And everyone would see him occasionally, uh, socially, and then he kind of dropped off the radar. And uh, very surprising to everyone, uh, we found out he had passed away, and he was found by his neighbors in his home. Uh, Apparently, he uh, had a heart attack or stroke. I'm not sure what, but... He had, I think, probably out of depression and the sudden change in lifestyle from working to not either have, I guess, maybe not having any uh, other activities, but his house was that of a hoarder. They said he there were paths from room to room. The toilet fixtures were not working anymore. Uh, there was leaking water in the house. Very depressing thing to, to, to imagine what that individual going to but one thing that I took away from that is to try and be empathetic to those who we may think are a little quirky but there are reasons for that um, mm-hmm. and the other is, is very very recent in my current neighborhood there's a guy that will like clockwork at five o'clock every day he'll be out with a gas-powered leaf blower there won't be any leaves <laughs> or anything on his yard but he's out there blowing after a rainstorm, he'll go out there and blow dry his surf- the surfaces of his driveway and sidewalk. And it's uh, kind of a quirky thing, but it, then again, for whatever reason, the individual behaves like that. So just want to offer those two up. Thank you very much. Oh, wow, David. Two amazing examples. Let me make a couple of comments about a couple of things. Um, thank you for bringing them up. 
Um, the the guy, the first guy you talked about who had a highly organized garage and power tools, but the inside of his house was um, that of a hoarder. And typically it does take years for hoarders to, to mount. It's not something that just starts. So maybe the garage was a sign of his obsessive compulsive behaviors that he could control out in the garage for that highly arranged power tools. But but then inside the house, he had to keep the packaging for everything and could not let go of anything was a sign of how far awry all that went for him. So it can, it truly is a disorder. It is something that sometimes may, needs intensive treatment. And it, it, it sometimes needs individuals from the outside to come in and help um, get back to a state of healthiness because that, that level of hoarding is, is clearly so very unhealthy. Health problems can come from it. Um, so now the other one, the other individual with the leaf blower, I dare say many of us have neighbors who are obsessive about one area of their yard or another. I would wonder if the inside of this house is as neat as as that yard. Many times, not so much. Many times what happens is that there is one small area that an individual thinks that they can maintain control. So if that driveway and walkway is the one area in which he can keep perfect, that's what he'll do. And that gives comfort and solace. So um, I'd be curious. I wonder if other listeners out there are maybe have a little bit of that, that they can control one area of their space. Um, For example, um, women, I'm just going to be a little sexist here. I'm sorry, but I will. Um, some women have uh, a beautifully maintained kitchen, but not so much, for example, their closet or the like. So maybe that gives you a sense of control. I don't know. Um, but hoarding can be a, a really tough tough thing, back to that original. So, David, thanks for pointing those two things out. All right. Next up, we have Sue from Beaumont. Hi, Sue. Can you hear me very well? <laughs> I hear you great. Great. Okay. I don't, you know, I watch those shows sometimes where the where they have the uh, the organizer come and try to organize people who have a obsessive compulsive disease in their house has trash above their kneecaps. It's obvious that when you see those people and you see the condition of those houses, it's obviously a mental health issue. I mean, they're obviously mentally ill. It's just plain as day, you know, why don't they ever, I, I've never heard one of these organizers or anybody else concerned mention getting some uh, mental health or going to a psychiatrist because that's, it's really, when it gets to the point where you have to step over piles of trash to go to your bathroom, which is not usable, then it's obvious it's a mental illness, you know? Why don't one of them realize that is a mental uh, illness? Yeah, so you're right. Um, and it, it, it is. And early into, now I haven't watched one of the hoarder shows in a long time, but I will say that that I, 
I have seen where they've had individuals, um, it's suggested that they see a mental health expert because the truth is, is if you have an organizer come in and help clear the house out, that does not delete or treat the behavior that's there. That doesn't treat the obsessive need and the anxiety that develops when you are not allowed to keep the items. And so many times, even when um, everything's organized and cleared out, the behavior starts again, unless there is a counselor, therapist, and perhaps even um, medication with a psychiatrist to help. Um, from what I understand, it is very difficult to treat her hoarders at times. And so, but it, but it is necessary. So anyone out there who is struggling with this and feels very, very anxious about being able to get, get rid of things and get organized and get, if, if you are at the point where you know it is at an unhealthy point or if you have a loved one who is dealing with this, getting a counselor um, actually um, before an organizer or at the same time have somebody come in to help navigate through this. But for many, it can cause extreme anxiety for somebody to come in and just clear things out without helping them deal with their anxiety. So Sue, a really good point. Thank you for that. Okay, we're going to go to our next break. And when we come back, we'll, Rachel's been patiently waiting, as has Alan. And um, we do have some open lines. So you give us a call, 1-877-672-7464 to join the conversation. We're talking about organizations, procrastination, hoarding. Join the conversation. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome. And thanks for staying with us. We are talking about National Organizational Day today. That's today, April 26th. Um, so how much organization is good? How much is, is too much? Um, there is some evidence that um, people are, tend to be more creative if they're not in a sterile, highly organized environment. Interesting research and we can talk about that as we're moving along but I want to get back to the phones. Um, Rachel has been patiently waiting from Eupora. Hey Rachel. Hey how are you doing today doctor? I'm so, doing well. Um, I am hoping that I can get some concrete tips ideas for getting beyond my living room and my kitchen. Because every day I have to vacuum my uh, living room because I have uh, two cats who fight and they 
leave fur all over the floor. I can yeah. go to bed and it's clean, and the next day there are little puffs of fur, and so I know they've been at it. And, right. Uh, in my kitchen, I'm able to uh, keep the dishes washed and uh, the stove cleared off. And actually, I even have a clean microwave. But beyond that, uh, organization in the kitchen, I think, is uh, important, and I don't have it. And my own bedroom mm-hmm. uh, goes without any attention. Uh, my bathroom, I, I uh, try to keep it at least uh, uh, clean, but it's not organized, just like the kitchen it's not. And I do have one room that I call the rec room, W-R-E-C-K room, because (laughs) that's where I keep all of my sentimental things in cardboard boxes and in uh, plastic tubs. And it seems like I never can get everything to the point uh, that I'm happy or satisfied with it, and in order to go into that uh, rec room and and get things tidied up, uh, the cats think it's their rec room, and uh, uh, they make it. Yeah, yeah, they play in there and knock things over and uh, scratch the cardboard boxes. So I'm just hoping that somebody can give me some solid ideas about how to uh, get past. Uh, just those things that I managed to get done, the living room and the dishes and yeah. the bathroom. Uh, I, I hear you. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions. Um, probably first and foremost is if you have someone, a friend or a family member or someone who is uh, one of those organized people, you might reach out to them and ask, that they come in and help you for a couple of days or say one afternoon a week or something like that. Because sometimes just having a fresh eye on where you can go with this is a good thing. Um, And what you're doing, I hear you, Rachel, you're looking at the whole big task all at once instead of um, separating each piece out. So probably step one would be to allow yourself not to vacuum that living room one day. Skip that day and make yourself concentrate on, say, back into the kitchen, organizing um, one area of the kitchen. Divide it into four quadrants and say, today, this is the only quadrant I'm going to look at. These are the only shelves that I'm going to reorganize. And then one thing that I will say, because I grew up in a family that that was very generous, but sometimes did have difficulty letting go of, of items, is to try to make yourself start thinking about who who other in need might be able to enjoy some of these collectibles or lovely things that you like instead of those collectibles sitting in boxes and just essentially gathering dust and being knocked over by the cats. So to to make yourself 
divide things, put it in tiny tasks, very small tasks. And I am a big uh, fan of writing things down. If something is really bothering me, I write down what I need to do next, and I put it in that list, and I try to make sure that 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 I I go back to that list. And I think many of you have heard, if something's bothering me in the middle of the night that I think I need to do, I get up, I write it down, and I leave it on the paper. That way the paper has it there for me, and I don't have to clutter my mind. So, um, Rachel, the best advice, uh, I think I can give is take baby steps. Don't look at the whole house. And also, if you have a, a friend who can help with the organization, reach out. Don't be ashamed. Do it. Sometimes friends can be so very helpful. Mm-hmm. Right. I hope that helped a little bit. Those are all good ideas. I really do appreciate it. And I want to tell a quick little story, very quick. I need somebody to pray for me. And I'll tell you why, because one time I belonged to a Christian women's group, and one of my friends in the group stood up and prayed out loud that I would be a better housekeeper, and it worked. I would, I, w- I had to go home and uh, clean and get everything spotless because I didn't want any of my friends in that group to know that I was not a good housekeeper. So I laughed about it. I laughed about it. It was Okay. Sometimes a little pressure is is not a bad thing. I've heard many a friend say it's always nice to have a dinner party because it makes you clean up. Um, so I, I bet there's several people out there who feel the same way. So, well, good luck, Rachel. I hope some of those suggestions um, were helpful. All right. We're going to stay on the phones. We have Alan who has been patient also from Raymond. Hi, Alan. What's your, what are your thoughts? Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I'm all over the place. <laughs> but I do have, I hate to admit it, but I'm a cluttered person. I can't keep my car clean. And, well, I guess I didn't have help from my older sister at one point, but, uh, but I didn't do anything about it. But I'm always having like a lot of stuff, especially when I had to go through all my mom's stuff, parents' stuff. It just mm-hmm. kept piling and piling. <laughs> I kind of don't, I get distracted so easy. In fact, I had a friend that used to tell me, did you ever ask the doctor you have the, I don't know, ADT or something? I don't know. But I get mm-hmm. distracted very easily. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I will say very picky in times. Like I try to get all the in my sister's driveway, <laughs> try to get all the crabgrass. I would go out to every little piece. It would take hours. And then already and then all they my brother used to say, Just rake it. <laughs> Sweep it. Yeah. Well, Alan, um, I will say there are a couple of things that you mentioned that you um the the clutter and that you get distracted by things and someone mentioned uh, possible that you have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or just the kind without the hyperactivity and the and the truth is is that there is a link to uh, 
disorganization. In, in fact, that's one of the symptoms, um, your symptom checklist about ADHD. So many times individuals with ADHD do have a great deal of difficulty with uh, disorganization and losing things and um, getting distracted by other things and so not ever completing one task before they go to another. And so that is one of those things, again, that when we make recommendations for individuals with ADHD, one of the, one of the first things is to have a checklist of um, what you are doing and to try to stay true to that. Another thing is to diminish the clutter because many individuals with ADHD do have a great deal of difficulty with a lot of clutter so that they get distracted by what is before them and start reading, for example, a newspaper article that is, that is on the table um, instead of the task at hand that they're supposed to be doing. So diminishing that clutter so that you can accomplish a skill is is really important. Now, there, there are data out there, a couple of really interesting studies that have said um, people do tend to be more creative in, in a less sterile place. So too much perfection perhaps does interfere with creativity in some way um, because what it seems is that in a very uncluttered, a very sterile office, individuals tend to stick to the rules and have a little more difficulty thinking out of the box. I thought that was interesting research. There's not a lot of reason noted as to why this is, but there have been several studies that have, have shown that. So, um, so Alan, yeah, the trying to diminish some of the clutter using a checklist again can can often be helpful if you feel like you're having trouble pulling things to together. Okay, well, thanks for that. We're gonna stay on the phone. We've had some great calls, and um, we want to get next to Mary from Holcomb. Hi, Mary. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you. Tell I, us what you I would love for someone to uh, share with me some pointers or nuggets or something to help to stop procrastination. I'm older now, but I recall when I was younger, I thought I was really, really well at, at making sure that things were done on timely. But then um, I, I'm a, I was a great multitasker, and I know as you get older, uh, it's not advised to do that, and I've gotten older, but my mind still wants to multitask. So I'm going to put you on, I'm going to uh, stop now and just see if you can help me to get back on task. <laughs> okay. I will give it a shot. Um, you know, Mary, uh, first of all, Procrastination is, is something that many times we do when um, there's perhaps a task that isn't very attractive to us. Um, and and it's, it's a normal behavior. Almost everybody does a little bit of pro procrastination. 
Um, it, it seems that the usual reasons that we procrastinate have to do with feeling maybe a little bit of anxiety about the task. So um, maybe, for example, you really should have have set a doctor's appointment, um, but you you really don't like to go to the doctor, and maybe you're a little bit anxious about what might be found, so you don't, so you procrastinate that, or perhaps you've you know that you need to be in touch with a friend or a relative, um, but getting in touch with them often you have to. Um, first endure the why haven't you called me before now or that you perhaps have to endure some of their complaints. So sometimes there are very clear reasons of why um, you're procrastinating. But but many times, if you think about it, once, once you finally push yourself to complete a task, how much more relief you have and how much more time you feel like has been cleared. I think a habit that so many times many of us have is to spend so much time thinking about a task um, and worrying about doing the task or pushing that task out of our minds that we're spending a lot of mind time or think time um, not doing a task that if you had only done it when you started thinking about it, it would have cleared off a space in your day for something. You know, it's just like how many times I know many of us have um, had children who complained about getting homework done and procrastinated and didn't want to do that homework and put it off and whined and cried and didn't get to go outside because they were whining and crying about not getting their homework done. Um, and if they just spent the 15 minutes to get the homework done or the 30 uh, minutes, then there would be all this extra time to spare. And so what we need to do when we start finding ourselves procrastinating, and I'm guilty of this too, um, to, to make ourselves just focus um, again, if you have to, give yourself a timeline. And, and some experts, as they talk about what to do about a procrastinator, there are a couple of things. Like if you, if you are so bad about waiting until the very last minute for a deadline, then, then start giving yourself false deadlines. So if something is due in two weeks, tell yourself, I've got to have this task completed within a week. I'm not going to let it go over those two weeks. Um, the other thing to do is if a task seems overwhelming, just like we were talking about um, Rachel in her kitchen, to, um, to divide the task up. Um, make yourself divide a task if it seems difficult or overwhelming into, say, thirds or quarters so that uh, by X time, you will have this quarter of it done, and by this time, you'll have these other things done. 
So to to try to make yourself not look at something in too overwhelming a nature, because typically, if if we are procrastinating, it's it's secondary to a task either feeling too difficult, too overwhelming, or too boring. It may even be just a boring. And so any of those can be alleviated by by diminishing the time you spend on a task at a time. And then sometimes you might even surprise yourself. Once you get started, if you've told yourself it's okay not to complete it today, um, then then sometimes it it makes you go ahead and move yourself um, forward a little more quickly. Yeah, you to try to push back that negative mindset. So, did that help a little bit, Mary? It did. It really, really did. I, I, um, and it put so much stress on you at the very end. And I wondered, like, is that an adrenaline thing with me, or, or what? But, but it, your your suggestions and ideas really did help. I'm gonna try that, uh, doing it in and and stages. Maybe do. A, a fourth or a half, and then kind of even rewarding myself maybe, but but I I do know what it feels like not to procrastinate, and it feels fantastically. So thank you so much, doctor. Thank you. You are so welcome. And you know, Mary, you mentioned one other one other trick is to reward yourself. So that if if you completed half a task, and you. Um, are proud of yourself, it's good. Set a reward for yourself. If that means that you get to go out for a walk or go work in the garden because you love to do that, or if it means that you get to stop now and call your favorite friend that you love to talk with. So this was a great show. Thanks so much, all of you callers and listeners. And if you'd like to hear this show again, because if you didn't hear it in its entirety, you should listen to it. And you can do that to the podcast. Go to your podcast, your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking, and you can listen to it. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio, engineered by Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking again, and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.